swapping penalties. And if we don't, you know, you can't give 120 yards to a team like LSU who basically survives on the margins of making you mess up and expect to win that ballgame. I, I just don't see that happening. What's up, Georgia fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 154 of the Wait and Since Last Saturday podcast. This is the post-game episode of the Georgia Vanderbilt game, a game in which the Dogs won 41 to 13. The spread was 27 and a half, and they won by 28. <laughs> the Bulldogs have now started the season six and zero in back-to-back years, which is the first time that that feat has ever happened for this storied program. That's a stat that actually caught me by surprise. Not to be bragging, but. And it caught you by surprise, too, and you just heard that. That's pretty surprising. But with all the goodwill that Georgia has built up over the last two seasons, the biggest game thus far takes place in a matter of days down in Baton Rouge. So my co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, join me for a very quick Skype call today, and we'll share what we thought went right and went wrong on Saturday night. So without any further delay, let's just jump on into it. Here's Will to get us started. Hello, gentlemen. Georgia won 41-13, to a game I have seen only in highlights and through the eyes of my father and my son, both named William Brian Leach, by the way, uh, who all sat in the stands, and Scott sent me very cute pictures of, not my dad, my dad's not cute, but my kid's pretty <laughs> cute, uh, during the game. So I've seen highlights, uh, and I was tra- certainly tracking the game while I was going on because I was in Maine at a wedding. This is my last wedding of the season. It's done. No more weddings, for crying out loud. These people are obviously not from the South. So tell me what do I need to know. My surface thing that I've kind of glimpsed is this is another... They kept it a little bit too close and were a little too sloppy, and then they just floored it and took over. Is, is that an accurate way to look at it? Yeah, I mean, probably. I think we showed the offense that, I mean, last week when we talked about it, it's like, you know, Georgia can do what they want to do when they want to do it. And we saw that, that, that last drive of the first half where it was just like it was a quick strike, bam, 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 one minute, 75 yards, easy breezy. But, you know, overall, I, you know, we allowed 260 or so yards. Offense through about the uh, what the first twenty five minutes of the game, Scott, and then take away uh, drive against the third and fourth string defense at the end of the game. We allowed fifty yards, so uh, you know it's, we're bend don't break defense. We're an offense that I think we know what we can do. We would like to do something different, and until we reconcile those two things, I think this is what we're going to get. And uh, to build on Will's introduction, I didn't realize they were both named Brian. They're both uh, William, that's William, pretty awesome. Yeah, William Bryan Leach. Okay, William Bryan, yeah. Yes. So I had William sitting next to me, and I just stayed there with him the entire game because there were some two rather large people in front of us. So mm-hmm. I took the duty of picking him up and holding him up. And the best one, uh, Will, I think you got the picture, was he was on my shoulders watching Terry Godwin streak to the end zone, catching the most beautiful pass that was thrown all night, that 75-yarder from Prom to Godwin. But uh, So I did enjoy my game experience with the leeches. Um, my overall observation was, yeah, the first half was tough because I, Vandy had the ball for 20 minutes, basically in the first half. And Will's dad and I kept commenting saying how lucky Georgia was that Vandy had only mustered to score six points out of that because they dominated the time of possession. And certainly that was aided by, I think about five Georgia penalties, a lot of silly penalties and, One other observation that kind of came to mind, I I looked at the play charts on the first three possessions that Georgia had. They ran 11 passes and two runs, and two of those resulted in punts, and one was the 75-yard 
touchdown pass. So the defense was on the field a lot and they were unable to kind of muster any kind of, uh, I guess, rhythm. I mean, the passing game was working, but it wasn't really getting the yardage it needed along with the silly penalties. Yeah. There seems to be, uh, this seems to be another game that Kirby smart seems angry about afterwards, not angry, but uh, increasingly irritated. And again, this is the place that we are right now where apparently you can win away game 41-13 and it gets a little awkward. And he it says after we played sloppy, I was disappointed with how we played. Fromm said they had to be cleaner next week. A large uh, uh, general thing, we'll talk about this. I will be at the actual preview show this week. Um, and we'll, we can talk about this then. But I want to touch on this a little bit now. Uh, I was uh, texting with uh, my friend and yours, uh, Tony uh, Matadair, uh, on on Saturday, and he was and he was complaining about Alabama after a game where they scored sixty thousand points. Like he was like he was like thirty one to Arkansas. Yeah, <laughs> so and he was like re- <clears throat> he was really complaining about them about how that defense is something, something's going to be wrong. And listen, we've talked for a while about how Georgia is trying to become Alabama. Are we becoming Alabama? Not so much in that like they're as good as Alabama, but like. When do we stop believing Kirby Smart after the game when he's like, we played terrible, I'm very disappointed, we should have really did a terrible job? Do you think he's just saying that, or do you think that he's right? Well, I mean, from a, a standard standpoint, I think I think he does believe it. I mean, in his mind's eye, the way he charts the game is that everything works. I mean, you think about how Vanderbilt got their yards rushing, especially in the first half. I mean, you go and look at their rushing yards. It was like, what was 140 or something, 120, 140. 30 of those came on one run. And, you know, we're still struggling with run fits, especially the linebackers on uh, plays to the edge. Um, You know, I think they're over-pursuing. That's youth. And uh, offensively, we're still missing blocks, still making dumb penalties. We're still lining up poorly at times. So, you know, I, I see where Kirby's coming from. I will tell you, I feel less, I feel less some sort of way about this game than I did against Tennessee. I'll tell you why. First off, I think Vanderbilt's a better team, certainly mm-hmm. more physical. Second is, is that there was a time in the Tennessee game where, well, I mean, I used the term uninterested, and we looked uninterested in just really throttling them in the way, use our talent even uh, in the way that you can know you can do. And, you know, well, you, I, I had the same conversation with Matt uh, a little in a little different way. It was like when you know the, Alabama does this, right? This is something. That is, yeah, he's can point to a game or two every year where it's like, you know, you, if you only look at the box score, Alabama knocks the crap out of somebody. But if you watch the game, especially watching Alabama do what they can do, and I would say the same thing about Georgia. Knowing what Georgia can do when you look at this game, yeah, it's easy to nitpick because we did struggle at run blocking at times. We did struggle at run fits, particularly on sweep, uh, sweep and edge plays, uh, rushing plays at times. You know, we're still a, very much a bend, don't break defense. Um, you know, in Kirby's mind, they should punt, they should punt on every possession and the most they should get is three yards. And that's, um, you know, and, and that's fine because that's exactly the standard you want to set out. And likewise, every charted offense possession results in seven points. So, yeah, I, I think Kirby believes it, and I certainly think he has to believe it. That's how he's preaching it to the to the players. Because if you don't, you know, they're just going to tune him out. And that's something that Alabama has been able to do is focus over time. And frankly, I think Georgia is currently doing that right now. I noticed the cutback on the run for Vanderbilt. Uh, it seemed to happen three or four times where he just went wide and then waited for the hole to open and cut back, and that's where they got a lot of their yards 
last night. And as for Georgia's offense, uh, it almost seems like if they just ran their four minute offense all game long, they'd probably do well because right at the end of the half, they just steamrolled down the field. It wasn't even like they were trying. It seemed so easy on that last play before half and kudos to our receivers, Riley Ridley, Godwin uh, Hardman almost got a touchdown catch. catch. He was barely out of bounds, but they were making, they were not only making great catches, they were contorting their bodies and just showing off how talented they are. And, you know, Swift had a great uh, catch and run. And then kind of the whole Chris Berman, where he goes, whoop, you know, where he makes that move right on about the 10 yard line. So, I mean, I'm pretty bullish on how they looked compared to Missouri uh, and Tennessee. And then you contrast how poor LSU looked. Uh, And from a fan standpoint, I can do that. Now players can't sit there and say, Oh, LSU look terrible. We've got this. No, they can't. And they won't. But from a fan's standpoint, I don't feel like LSU is as big of a bear uh, as I would have felt had they pulled that victory out down in the swamp. I think the one thing I would hope that Georgia can correct before next week is total time of possession because Vanderbilt did uh, have the edge in that, you know, 55%. And I think if they could chop that down by about eight or nine minutes, then that's kind of what they're going to be uh, needing to really establish some drives or, you know, maybe not. And just run that four minute offense, because that seems to work quite well for them. Yeah. And one thing, Will, I, w- I wanted to add is that I was heartened to see them putting fields in for long stretches of play of, of series of plays. Um, it looked like they did open the offense up a little bit for fields. Um, he, he threw some of the, the sideline back shoulder stuff. He uh, took at least one shot downfield, right, Scott? And, and not to mention, the Holyfield touchdown was completely set up by misdirection on a field going one way and every single person on the defense. And I assume the camera went mm-hmm. with field and Holyfield was by himself coming to the sideline, down the sideline. I'm curious now, because you've touched on that, Scott, LSU is obviously next week. And I feel the, the thing that, w- that I think we've talked about a lot with the team kind of struggling a little bit and maybe being young is this notion of, like you kind of talked about with Tennessee, they could put these guys away. They just seem kind of not into it. They just seem like we got it and we can just kind of coast. And we've been waiting to be like, okay, well, we'll see what happens when they have this huge game coming up against what we presumed was going to be a top five uh, LSU team. Is there a, and again, we can talk this on the preview show. Is there something worrisome about the idea that like now, the game still feels big. Obviously, you're at LSU. It's the 3:30 game. It's a, it's a, it's the first big tough game of the year. So it's still going to be a top 10 or top 15 team. But does losing to Florida, like I wanted, what I wanted to see at the LSU game was that okay, guys, this is a huge freaking game. Like this is a season defining game. Let's see you get up for it and focus all the way through. Do you think that them losing to Florida, because it's kind of a bummer that they lost to Florida, right? <laughs> like it's kind of we, we're all kind of amped to go and to have this undefeated uh, matchup. I my fear is now you've got this will still feel like a let off the gas game a little bit because now it's still a big game but it's not as big as it would have been. Yeah, I, I see. I see your point. I, I guess I don't necessarily agree with the premise, and, and the reason why is that LSU LSU is LSU. They didn't mm-hmm. do anything differently against Florida that they did uh, against Miami that they did against Auburn. And I mean, look, LSU's identity is we're going to play super strong defense and we're going to, we really want to muscle you on offense while we're on offense. And if, you know, if we don't get turnover luck, we know we're going to lose. That's exactly what happened down the swamp. Um, 
you know, from that perspective, I, I think I think I, I would push back against that a little bit. The one place I do agree with you is that you take the mindset out of LSU's mind that they're coming to our place and we're also undefeated. And I guess I, maybe I should be concerned about whether Georgia will get up for this. I'm just not. My bigger concern is about X's and O's um, because, you know, we, we did look sloppy on penalties. And if we don't, you know, you can't give 120 yards to a team like LSU who basically survives on the margins of making you mess up and expect to win that ballgame. I, I just don't see that happening. I think there's two teams in the SEC that it doesn't matter if they're undefeated or completely defeated that Georgia would get up for, especially playing at their place. And that's Alabama and LSU. It's just the mystique. It's the honor. Um, it's, it's not the honor of it's well, yeah, it's the honor of playing in death Valley. It's the honor of playing in Bryant Denny. I, I would maybe put Texas A&M in that just cause and they're maniacs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you've got Kyle field and everything. I just think that my premise of it is that Georgia, the players in the program, would have no problem getting up for a two and three LSU or an undefeated LSU because you're going to freaking Baton Rouge. And so I'm not worried about that. And I think that uh, they did show some chinks in their armor um, that they hadn't previously shown, especially against like Miami and, and Mark Richt. We, we thought that, wow, this is, this is going to be a little bit different. And then they rattle off a couple other wins. But yeah, I think that uh, it's just going to be the same as usual. I mean, I remember back uh, in Quincy Carter, was it 1998? One of the best games I've ever watched uh, when he kind of dismantled them. And then we've had some heartbreak losses down in Baton Rouge too, like the the 2003 uh, team when David Green went to Tyson Browning in that 93-yard swing pass that was then negated because LSU marched down with uh, maybe it was Matt, Matt mock or something and then beat him at the last second. So there's been some epic showdowns in, in the history of Georgia LSU, even though it's very infrequent. So to answer your question, that's my long answer. No, I don't think the team or Kirby or anybody fans included uh, will have a problem getting up for this game. Okay. Uh, last question uh, about the vibe of the game. Cause this is the first last home game for a month. <laughs> we have like a full yeah. month until the last home game. I think it's a, what November tenth. Uh, it's Auburn, right? Is it Auburn? Mm-hmm. Yep. Auburn is the next actual home game, which is absolutely wild uh, that 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 that's the case. Uh, was it still a hundred degrees? Yep. Oh, great. Yep. Awesome. Although I will say, uh, Will the the stadium was amazing. I mean, it was a great vibe. Fans showed up. Fans stayed to light up the night. Um, it it light up Sanford. It, uh, I, I don't know that I've ever heard boo birds as loud as when Jerry got the, um, oh, the yes. penalty that got overturned. Right, Scott? I mean, oh. I mean, look, I've been in there when people boo refs, but this was, I mean, it was raining down from the rafters like, um, like a charge call against a Duke player, Cameron. It, the great part about it was happening right in front of me. My middle son Walker is 10 and he really understands what's going on. And he's kind of got William uh, Will's six-year-old son next to him. And he's kind of whispering in his ear what's happening. And William is mimicking the anger that Walker is having while they're reviewing it. And they're both <laughs> just going nuts and like shaking their hands at it. So yeah, I mean, it was down to like the kids in that stadium that had they kicked J.R. Reed out of the game after basically he was going for the interception and his forearm ran into the helmet of the Vanderbilt player, then that place would have come unglued. Yeah, the, the the crew did not have a great night last no, night. And, no, no. I mean, I'm not I'm not being I'm not saying that from oh we don't we don't get calls at home. I'm saying that from a there were there were a couple of dicey calls on both sides. They had a similar targeting call that was overturned um, that I thought was like I you know it's a fairly standard 
a fairly standard play where a quarterback starts a slide and then someone jumps on him. Um, it's just I, they just didn't have a great day uh, overall, and that yeah, that also added to the fact that uh, Kentucky ended an overtime game and they kicked off the same time we did. Auburn, Mississippi State ended what 15 minutes before we did. Um, and you know, I was if, if you look at my Twitter timeline, I was making comments like, "Hey, we're, you know." We're, we kick off against Auburn in an hour. I mean, I got to be at work. I got to be at work in thirty minutes. <laughs> I mean, it just—it really was. The game didn't. I mean, we literally didn't. They didn't hit the final whistle until um, I was like, what, eleven twenty, Scott? There about. It was I mean, pretty it was, late. It was, yeah, it was right at a four-hour game. Wow, that's uh, uh, that's that's another problem that college football is going to have to deal with, uh, perhaps in the coming. Years. Oh, oh, the other the other part where the stadium really was rocking was hot rods, 53 yard field goal. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was crazy. I'm glad you brought that up. That was, uh, it did get really loud when he nailed that. I saw somebody on Twitter. I can't, I can't remember who it was. It might've been Barrett Sally or somebody, Tony, you might know, but they said that hot rod has more juice and charisma than 80% of all college football teams. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beautiful man. He's an absolutely beautiful man. Um, all right. Well, we were going to, we're going to have a preview show. I'm back. I'm coming, I'm coming back. I have no more weddings. I will be at the LSU game. I feel like I will be back to my actual life rather than someone that just goes to weddings all the time. Cause that's apparently what I do. This is what I get for having friends, not from the South. So, um, but otherwise, uh, gentlemen, uh, I will see you guys for our preview show. But uh, good times. Now it's getting serious business. It's LSU. It's serious business now. But for now, hey, go dogs! Go dogs! And thanks so much for listening. The three of us will be back on Tuesday with our Georgia versus LSU preview show. We are having to record a little bit earlier than usual because Tony and Will are actually heading out probably like many of you, to New Orleans on Wednesday. And they'll be making that short trek over to Baton Rouge for some tailgating and that 3.30 kickoff on CBS for Saturday. So keep an eye out for those two. In the meantime, keep up with our show on Twitter. You can tweet our show at WSLS Podcast. And also check out our website, WSLSPodcast.com. We still have a few T-shirts left. I think there's like eight of them. And thanks to the handful of folks who ordered one last week, they should be out to you shortly. And that'll do it. Safe travels to all you road dogs as you head out of town this week. And we'll see you back on campus in like a month or so. November 10th versus Auburn is when that'll take place. But there's a lot of football to be played before then. So have a great week. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>